0: Welcome to the Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're gonna put in your ears. I'm Jared Walls, associate producer and Stirista's creative copy manager. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders to get their take on the current challenges in the market, but also have a little fun along the way. In our 50th episode, Vincent and AJ catch up with Doug Zarkin, vice president and chief marketing officer at Pearl Vision. He discusses the importance of understanding people and how their roles impact the larger mission with the brand. He also delves into why he prefers passion over expertise when it comes to hiring. AJ shares that he was a latecomer to Turkey and Vincent eats a bacon, egg, and cheese on a roll. Give it a listen.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's me, Vincent Petrofessa, the Vice President of B2B Products and Partnerships at Starista. That must mean one thing. It's the Marketing Stir, another episode of hopefully your favorite marketing podcast. Thank you so much. Our listenership has gone up and up and we owe it to you. Who would have thought back in March when AJ and I were just like, let's talk to a few of our clients and talk marketing and look what's happened we really appreciate it thank you so much starista you know us identity marketing company our own b2b data our own b2c data you utilize us right to get new customers email marketing marketing display programmatic ott ctv we own our own dsp called adster enough about that the next person I want to introduce you. you know him. He's my CEO. He's the co-pilot with me on this marketing stir journey, ladies and gentlemen. Aj Gupta, what's up, Aj?
2: Hey, Vincent. Pretty exciting uh, holiday week coming up over here. So I don't know if you know this, but uh, never had a turkey until I was 13, but it's one of my favorite parts of the year now. So turkey and uh, stuffing and green bean casserole.
1: I love it. I love it. Who knows when this podcast is going to come out, but you could probably tell what holiday he's referring to. I love it. Yeah, I love. I'm a big sausage stuffing guy. Being Italian, that's what I kind of grew up with. But uh, yeah, I too am in a great mood for a variety of reasons. I had a bacon, egg, and cheese on a roll this morning um, because of this next guest. He's a native New Yorker like me. He lives here now. He's from Westchester County like me. So. I was like, you know what? Let me indulge in a bacon, egg, and cheese. A very New York City thing to do, AJ. You know, I don't know if you've ever had one of those. Maybe that's your next turkey adventure that we go on together.
2: Well, whenever I decide to go for a dad bod, I'll certainly go for it.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, we both are dads. I've had this dad bod for 11 years. I've only been a dad (laughs) for three years. But hey, dad bods are in, right? And dads are in. Doug's a dad. He I mentioned am. to me. Yeah, he made, and I know that. I didn't just assume that, ladies and gentlemen. I love this next guy for a variety of reasons. Like I said, he and I both hail from the great Westchester County. And the Westchester County, that's not the type of Westchester County you read about, right, Doug? It's not the 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 fancy places. New Rochelle and Portchester, blue collar guys. I love it. I love it. Let me just, before I introduce Doug, and now you're going to know the company he works for because it's one of the greatest companies out there. You'll know it. I'll say it in a moment, but let me embarrass this guy for a minute. Doug has appeared. I'm lucky to have him. Doug has appeared on ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, the pages of Forbes. Let me go through some of these awards. Before we've had a lot of different people who uh, some companies have won awards. Listen to these awards. Marketer of the Next Generation by BrandWeek, Retail Innovator, of 2019 by Retail Touchpoints. El Sol Award winner, Silver Clio Award winner. I could go on and on, but let's bring him in. Ladies and gentlemen, the Vice President, Chief Marketing Officer of Pearl Visions. Yeah, you know Pearl Vision. Ladies and gentlemen, Doug Zarkin. What's up,
0: Doug? Good morning, thanks for having me.
1: So great to have you here. You'll see a little bit of Doug on some of the promo videos. He's got his Rams hat on. That matches his outfit beautifully, but he is a New York Giants fan, like me. True and true. That's a whole other episode of the marketing stir that we could talk about. But Doug, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you doing, uh, you know, our little podcast here. You've done so many great things. So thank you for sharing this time with us and our listeners. Doug, everyone knows Pearl Vision, but for those of you who don't know, you in particular, tell us about your role within Pearl Vision.
0: Sure. Um, so I've been with with Luxottica, our parent company, and ProVision for nearly nine years, um, leading marketing uh, for the brand. And we're a franchise-owned brand. The majority of our locations are owned by doctors and opticians, which means a pretty high degree of accountability. Um, my responsibilities, you know, begin and end with really putting the brand on the brain of the consumer. Um, forging connections in the digital world, forming connections in the offline world, product promotion, visual merchandising, all of our advertising and marketing. Really what the brand stands for at its essence is really what falls on on myself and my team. Um, And it's been an amazing ride.
1: That's awesome. And, you know, we always like to ask this of our guests, Doug, because some of the paths, not so traditional. How did you get involved in marketing to begin with?
0: So, you know, it was interesting um, when I was getting my my MBA, I knew coming out of graduate school that I eventually wanted to run a business and a brand and had absolutely no idea. This is pre-LinkedIn to date myself of, of how to do it. Um, and a, a good family friend said, listen, if you eventually want to be in the, in the front of the train as the conductor, get on at the end and work your way forward. Um, and so the end really was the agency world and started my career in media and, and, and account management and worked my way through the agency world and eventually made the jump to the client side. And what that really has allowed me to do, um, and I'm fortunate, is understand, first of all, the importance of people. Um, because in building a brand, you really surround yourself, hopefully, with amazing people. But being able to understand what they do, the roles and functions, and, and critically being able to motivate those people in those roles and functions, because you've done them and you speak that language, Uh, has been invaluable and so you know as a CMO I would say was it something that was on my radar in graduate school? Yes, Um, the pathway there was a little bit circuitous even though I knew that I wanted to move up the train uh, and uh, really privileged to be a part of the Pearl family right now.
2: And Doug, how's the COVID situation affected Pearl Vision and you know there's been a lot of kind of rise in telehealth but obviously for people who need Glasses—they have to go to uh, sure. go to a physical location. So I was curious how that's affecting uh, business for you guys.
0: I mean, I welcome the day when we don't have to mention the C word um, ever again. I think <laughs> people are tired of hearing about it, um, talking about it. You know, pundits are out there proselytizing. You know, this is what you need to do. And the reality is, is to use a football metaphor. You know, there is no third down and pandemic that you go to in the marketing playbook to figure out how to resuscitate your business. Uh, for us, we were deemed essential care, so we had to roll down our activities from everyday care, which is anybody who needs an eye exam or a pair of prescription glasses, to really focusing on essential care only, trauma, frontline heroes. Um, you know, if you're a minus two or a minus three, which translated means that you really can't see without either contact lenses or glasses, and you break them, lose them, run out of them, life as you know it pretty much stops. And so we were able to, in most states and cities, maintain essential care status, uh, which has allowed us to stay connected to our neighbors through this time of of this unprecedented time. The biggest challenge for us as we rolled forward from essential care to, to everyday care was really factoring in the PPE requirements um, because, look, getting your eyes checked, there is a physical proximity that is unavoidable. Even with technology, you know, you're in a room with somebody, whether you're six inches or two feet, you're definitely not social distancing. And the idea of getting eyewear is a physical process, even though there are retailers that sell online the physicality of putting on that perfect pair and figuring out that that pair of glasses is indeed your perfect pair is something that really has not yet been fully replicated in a virtual world. So we had to make adjustments. You know, We had to really stagger our patient flow. We had to go to longer exams to allow for extensive cleanings between exams, more so than we were already doing. Obviously all the PPE requirements, um, heavy degree of sanitizing the frames when they're come, offing the, come off the board. Just a lot of the fundamentals that any business really should be doing to maintain a healthy environment, we had to do. The good news is is the foundation of our business, which was really at the epicenter of running a successful play to get back from COVID, um, was something that really started nine years ago when we really dug into how to earn trust. And I think what we're all seeing right now, retailers that are thriving in the evolving pandemic world are ones that had a very high degree of trust with consumers. And we're fortunate that we have a very high degree of trust with our neighbors around our eye care centers that's allowed us to rebound quite quickly.
2: Doug, I'm glad you guys were deemed essential business as a minus four myself. I know I can't go without glasses very far even from room to room. Yeah. So one of the questions I had, we work with a lot of franchise organizations, and uh, it's always interesting to see how much uh, of it is corporate driven versus how much of it is local driven. So can you talk to us a little bit about how Pearl Vision is set up in terms of uh, you know, how much marketing is done sure. at the corporate level versus local franchises?
0: So um, you know, there are a couple different philosophies in terms of a franchise system. I mean, you have to recognize, first of all, that any franchise system is highly emotional. You know, you're dealing with entrepreneurs, small business owners that have put their entire life savings, in many cases, into building, in our case, their Pearl Vision Eye Care Center in their neighborhood. Um, however, there is a responsibility that comes with being a franchisor, and that's really to be the subject matter expert. You know, Because somebody is a doctor, it doesn't make them um, a marketer. It doesn't make them an expert on frames and lens replenishment. It doesn't make them an expert on eye care center build outs, it doesn't make them an expert on point of sale systems. And so the royalty that they pay into Pearl really supports us providing a level of expertise that's unmatched in our category. So the majority of the decisions that are taken on the business are really done at the the centralized brand level. Um, That doesn't mean that our, our licensed owners, which is what we call our franchisees, don't have a voice, they absolutely do. Because without that passionate, support and that flawless execution at the neighborhood level a great strategy that doesn't make for amazing execution is nothing more than words on paper And so we count on the success of our owners and operators to bring the strategies to life locally But the key strategic decisions are made centrally and that's because we have an an exorbitant amount of data and insight and expertise that really allows our owners to focus on one thing and that's for caring for their neighbors and that's why Pearl Vision is growing. 2019, we had a record year of growth, not just in, in, in sales, but also in new locations. 2020, if you can believe it, we're actually going to be stronger in terms of new buildouts, new locations than we were in 19, because the brand as a top, you know, top 50 brand, I'm sorry, top 100 brand with an entrepreneurials top 500 franchise businesses and the number one optical franchise brand on that list. Um, tells you that this brand is something that's worth investing in. And so we have new investors that are coming in, new eye care centers that are being built, new areas that are being developed because they believe that they want to buy into the philosophy of this is a group of experts that can help me be successful at the national level, as well as the local level.
1: And Doug, some of the questions I have, I've you in the past, you've been very involved with uh, marketing globally. Is that, Is Pearl Vision a global organization? Are you responsible for uh, building and putting in Pearl Visions across the globe, or is it just U.S. focused?
0: Um, U.S., Canada, and Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. So um, each of those regions are very different. You know, Puerto Rico is not just Southern U.S. There are, certain peculiarities to that market that must be factored in. Canada, when it comes to the insurance aspect of our business, which is critical, is a completely different ecosystem. So there, there is really a global view on Pearl, but geographically, we're really just structured in, in, in the North American area.
1: Mm-hmm. And as far as, you know, you've been at a variety of different companies, very well-known companies. Can you share with us and especially the audience, some of your marketing philosophies that you think have made you successful, and uh, on top of that, another question so the philosophies, and then at Pearl Vision, what have you learned? Something new where you were like, Oh wow, that's something I haven't dealt with in the past that I'm now working with?
0: Sure, Two-par- so the
1: two parter, Doug. Uh,
0: it there. Let me kind of break it down a little bit. I think at the core, uh, a core philosophy that I have really centers around people and, and it's what I look for in building a team. Um, I have found you know, throughout my career to really focus on hiring passion, not necessarily just expertise. Um, you know, I, I've told this story before to, uh, uh, in, in a few settings, but I remember interviewing somebody and, and I had two candidates. One candidate, Ivy League educated, another candidate, um, City College Educated. And on paper, the Ivy League Educated had an incredible resume. But when I asked that person, that candidate, why should I hire you, they immediately went to, well, I was educated at X, Y, and Z. The City College Educated basically said, listen, I wanna make a difference. You know, I wanna learn, I wanna grow. I'm committed to this business and that was very early on in my career and I went with the City College um, educated candidate and it really reinforced the importance of hiring for passion you can teach somebody a job you can't teach somebody to be passionate so for me the first philosophy for marketing is to hire passionate people the second philosophy really has to do with the world of data and you know obviously you're an organization that has a, a wealth of data but I am a firm believer that data does not make decisions. We make decisions, experts make decisions using data. And the reason is, is that data is only as good as the questions that you ask. Making a decision based on what shows up on an Excel chart um, is a recipe for disaster because you lose the ability to understand the thinking behind what the numbers mean. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges we all face as marketers is we have too much data now. You know, 10 years ago you didn't have enough, now you got too much. And it's about trying to figure out what data is most meaningful. So I'm a firm believer that it's not the data that makes the decisions, the data that helps you make the decision, but it's people make decisions using data. Third philosophy is the importance of small things. Uh, I am a firm believer in life, outside of work, as well as inside of work, that small things matter. The importance of saying thank you, um, for example. Um, The importance of recognizing when somebody does something well in the moment. Those are things that really build trust Um, not only when you're trying to put a brand on the brain of a consumer, but also amongst uh, a cross-functional team, um, those small little things of how people conduct themselves and how people run their specific function within a business, I think is incredibly important. Um, I think the last philosophy I'll share is what I would call the 80 20 rule. 80% of the time, if you can get something to the 80% level of perfection, you're good to go. It's identifying the 20% of the time that you must be 100% perfect. That is really the challenge. you know. And it really speaks to the law of diminishing returns. Um, is making the logo 5% bigger going to be a meaningful change? And if the answer is no, and your creative team is telling you to leave it, then you leave it. Um, if, if the data that you have is at the 80% confidence level, does it give you enough to make the decision? If the answer is a decision that has hundreds of millions of dollars, ramifications, you may want to spend a little bit more time pressing to get more data. But in reality, the majority of the decisions that we make, if you can get things to the 80% confidence level, you're pretty good to make a decision, you know, positive or negatively. Um, But really identifying and prioritizing what your team, what those 20% of the items are, I think is invaluable.
2: That's some great advice, thanks for sharing. The What's what does the typical profile for a franchise owner look like at Provision?
0: So um, there there is no typical profile. I will tell you that a number of our franchisees are doctors, you know, doctors of optometry who may be, you know, three to five years out of school working for somebody else and realize they want to go on their own because they recognize the, the degree of control and, and the lucrative career that's ahead of them if they own their own practice, own their own location. Um, so you have that. You have the investor who either small or medium size is looking to get involved in a, in a successful franchise, again, because they recognize the strength of the brand. I think at the heart, one of the things that brings all the different types of, of folks that we have within the Pro system together is really just an understanding that to be successful, you really have to care about people. And at Pearl, we talk about caring about the people behind the eyes. So I think that philosophy is universal uh, in our system.
2: And what does the selection look like and what's the timeframe from where somebody might be interested to they go up and running?
0: So the selection process, I mean, they obviously have to pass a financial check, they have to have you know the, the funding available for a build out, um, they have to, from a DNA perspective, sort of drink the Kool-Aid that is really at the heart of Pearl. Um, the, the, the The process can be anywhere from six months to a year, depending on you know do they have a site that's been selected, um, you know how are they with cash, you know what's going on in terms of getting a general contractor to build out the location. But I would say most likely you're dealing within twelve months, you're up and running.
1: Oh, wow. That is, uh,
0: that yep. is quick. We, we, I mean, there's a faster pathway, which is we have a number of independent, unaffiliated practices. That's part of what we call our Ignite process, where you may have Dr. Fred's House of Optical in Roslyn, New York. And Dr. Fred's House of Optical wants to become a Pearl Vision. They obviously have a location that's already there. They have a patient that's already there. So there, it's more of a branding change it's a change out of the point of sale system. It's a change out of the frame and lens assortment. So that pathway, you may be looking at a 90 to 120 day flip over. Um, but a start from scratch is really, you're looking at six to nine months.
1: And I want to stay on that. You know, you touched a lot, uh, a lot. I've learned a ton already on this podcast and I love the philosophies that you have there. You touched upon in, in the brand, right? Yeah. What do you believe is the most important thing for a brand?
0: So, Marketing and branding is really about positioning and positioning is really about the art of sacrifice. So I think it's incredibly important for brands to recognize that they've got to be great at something in order to resonate, you know, especially in a culture where, look, if you're not delivering an amazing experience, there's going to be a uh, e-com solution likely that Amazon comes out that that's going to, you know, eat your lunch. The importance of really being special at something is important you know too many times brands try to do too much they try to say too much they try to be everything to everybody which means that you're nothing to nobody that art of sacrifice is incredibly scary for a fear of missing out you know fomo is a real thing it's a thing that executives deal with it's a thing that brands struggle with at pearl for example our brand is really about genuine eye care full stop you know it is about caring for people from the exam room to the retail floor the product that we sell, the frames and lenses that we sell, is an adjunct to what we stand for. What we stand for is what makes us unique. You know, Selling a pair of Ray-Bans does not make you unique. One out of every two sunglasses in the world sold is a Ray-Ban. It's how we guide you into finding that perfect pair, it's the expertise, it's the way we care about the person behind the prescription that is what makes us special. So That art of sacrifice is incredibly important. Hmm
1: and doug you know what are some of the general questions that your clients are asking or the things that they're asking for right now in 2020
0: so i think by clients i'm going to go to our franchisees our licensed owners you know our yes. licensed owners are asking for you know how is the ecosystem of marketing change is it evolving with you know with what has gone on in the pandemic you know, a greater reliance on certain tools and tactics to form a brand connection. Certainly we've had to adjust some spending levels into mediums where we perhaps weren't deep because of the changing, you know, um, utilization behaviors of our target audience. Uh, E-com, you know, Pearl Vision is a brick and mortar based business. We do not operate e-commerce. That's obviously a conversation that we've had with our owners and explained to them sort of our position And and why we're staying the course with a brick and mortar dedicated business at this time. Um, You know, how do you continue to adjust what we call our neighborhood eye care center to be COVID sensitive? Um, You know, hopefully by the time this airs, the vaccine has made its way through a significant percentage of the population and we're on our way back to um, precedented times. But you know there is an adjustment that, that needs to be made and that, that is needed to be made and we've had to make it. Um, and then I think you know, at the core of it is, how do you as our CMO ensure that we continue to win? Um, because it is about winning. You know, for us to be successful, that means somebody else has to be less successful. And where are we getting share from? How are we bringing in new patients as they enter into the eye care marketplace, um, either by need or by age? Those are all things that keep me up at night and that, frankly, make this role really exciting.
2: So, Doug, with kind of the marketing efforts changing, as you mentioned earlier, what are some of the channels that you do focus on today uh, that, that that you have sort of doubled down on during this time?
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't want to get too specific because obviously that's our playbook um, and uh, we operate and we operate it well and that's why we have a winning record to really stay on the, the sports metaphor. But I will say that um, the reliance on um, geo-targeted media is something that has, I think, been a, an explosive level of growth for the brand. We were already ahead of the curve with doing a lot of DMA and zip code targeted media Um, prior to COVID. But, you know, people with the evolving situation really are concerned what's going on in their neighborhood. So we had to be able to have to be able to pivot our messaging based on where hotspots exist or they don't. Um, That's been an area where we have invested significantly. You know, I think looking at the, the seesaw battle between streaming and traditional television as an example. Um, you know, the networks got killed because they couldn't do production. So you saw a whole shift of behavior into streaming services, not all of them accept advertising. So how do you figure out how to put an emotional story and video in front of a consumer if they're moving to a platform that doesn't accept advertising? That's also been a battle that we've been, you know, fortunate that we think we have the right solution for. So those are just some of the challenges that we're working through.
2: That makes a lot of sense. We we were fortunate. Uh, we, we ended up buying a connected TV focus DSP right before the pandemic. So it's been a kind of a big, uh, big path of growth sure. for us because of what you mentioned with linear TV and what's going on there. Uh, so kind of for looking ahead 2021, obviously things are still pretty unpredictable in the world, uh, but are there kind of uh, high level goals that you can uh, share that or exciting news that's coming up for you guys?
0: Sure. I think first goal is to never mention the word COVID ever again. Um, <laughs> the C word. I like that. <laughs> the C word. The, the C word. Um, you know, our goals, what's interesting is that COVID has not shifted our focus from what is important. In fact, our strategies in 2021 mirror our strategies going that we were going into in 2020. And as I like to joke, we're in year nine of the five-year plan that I developed from a brand perspective when I joined the business nine years ago. What I will say is we are really focusing on continuing to strengthen the trust between our neighbors and the community in which we own and operate our Pearl Vision locations and the brand. That's priority number one. Um, We wanna continue to win the family and be that neighborhood destination that families trust with their eyes. That's an incredibly important strategy for us um, really driving full suite utilization. You know, you can come in after seeing Dr. Fred with your prescription and buy a pair of glasses at Pearl vision. You don't have to be a patient at Pearl in order to come to Pearl. But for us, we have figured out obviously the lifetime value of an end to end consumer is significantly greater than somebody who just comes in with an outside prescription. So really continuing to drive patient acquisition, because we want people to experience the full suite of what caring for your eyes really means. So those are really the majority of the strategies that we'll be focusing on in 2021.
1: Nice. And uh, I want to get back to you uh, specifically, Doug, as far as you you won some great awards. Uh, You know, congratulations on those. I, uh, I, I loved reading about that.
0: My dad still has no idea what I do. Yeah, right. I know, right? No clue. Yeah zero. Yeah.
1: Well, that's always a great thing to. That's always a good like elevator pitch or marketing tech. It's like a hey, ex- explain what you do as if you're explaining to your, like your mom and dad, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. But you know, of those awards, uh, what do you? Which one are you most proud of? I'm you just, there's so many great ones.
0: So, you know, they the team ones are obviously pretty in, important. Uh, the FE's the Cleos. Um you know the 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 brand the other brand week awards that we 've won, the brand constellation awards, the a awards that we 've won because those are in many cases voted on by your peers, and um, that 's pretty special the, the one though that I will say that was probably the most um, gratifying to me was being named a marketer of the next generation by brand week, and it has everything to do with when I won that award. I had just made the jump from the, client side, from the agency side to the client side to Avon products, where I was the, a member of the founding leadership team between, behind the Mark brand at Avon, which at the time was their young women's upscale line. And so it was my first foray into being a client and to be recognized as a marketer of the next generation so early in my career was really kind of the pat on the back that I needed to know like, that actually I could be pretty good at this. If I continue to work on it, I could be pretty good at this. So that sort of affirmation for me um, was one that I'm I'm grateful for because it gave me the confidence to continue moving through this journey of of leading a business and a brand.
1: No, I like that. And 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 you know, that's one you know shining moment there. Uh, what have been some others thus far. In you know, you're not done. You got more. You got more to do in this career here, Doug. But yeah, you know, what uh, what has been a shining moment thus far um, outside of that one of the team awards in your career?
0: Shining moment. You know, I have to say, you know, February 2013 is a month I will never forget. Um, Atlanta, Georgia. It was the first time I stood in front of the franchisees, and I was on stage for two and a half hours presenting the rebranding, brand articulation, new retail footprint, new iconography for Pearl. I joined Pearl in June of 2012, and this was sort of my coming out party. Um, And after spending seven months essentially hunkered down doing research, really thinking, talking, listening, learning about what this brand could be, Um, I had the opportunity to be on stage for about two and a half hours in front of about 700 people to lay this vision out. Um, part of the reason why that's so memorable is because I was running 103 fever. And so I was, I was two t-shirts sweating through my suit standing on stage, (laughs) but I I will tell you, I never felt better in my entire life. It it was honestly the, the closest experience to being the front man for Aerosmith. Um, awesome. <laughs> you know, when we put the logo up, everybody's cell phone lights went up and they were yep. filming it. When we debuted the brand positioning, there was applause. When we showed, we put together some amazing videos to kind of get everybody excited. They responded with such energy and enthusiasm, um, that for me, that's a moment I'll never forget within my, my career period, because I knew at that moment that I had them. Um, that I had their level of interest and now it was about proving why this was the right approach to take. You know, one thing you asked me before was a marketing philosophy. What were my marketing philosophies? And I actually ironically left out, I think probably one of the most important ones. And it, that moment in, in Atlanta reminded me of something that people make emotional decisions before they make rational choices. You know, at that moment people made an emotional decision to take the journey before they made the rational choice to change their logo or update their eye care center. The the power of getting somebody to trust you through emotional decision making is an incredible asset that has allowed Pearl to be successful. We recognize that there's a transactional, transactional nature to our business model, but it's that emotional connection and the amazing work that our operations team does in creating an incredible experience within the four walls that allows us to be successful, so I really focus in in, in the philosophy that I have as a leader, as a marketer on ensuring that we're connecting with consumers at an emotional level in order to foster that emotional choice that comes with it
2: and Doug kind of uh, lead on question to that is you know what are some of the things you are doing? for the customer journey, so if somebody's coming in, obviously a lot of times uh, people only need glasses once a year or contacts once a year. How do you kind of uh, keep them engaged and in touch so a year later they still remember you?
0: Um, We have a really strong CRM platform. And CRM isn't necessarily just about driving incrementality, it's about driving relationship. Um, I'm a, one of my hobbies outside of work is I'm an avid tennis player, I play a couple times a week. Um, and tennis you know the idea of of tennis in many cases is to be patient you don't win necessarily all the time just playing serve and volley sometimes you have to set your opponent up in order to eventually win the point CRM is a lot like that we create a relationship with our patients Um, we're sending them eye care tips eye health tips reminders about the importance of adjustments. You know, a millimeter of fit in your glasses is the difference between seeing clearly and having a massive headache. And so every time, AJ, you take your glasses on and off, the, the hinge is moving a little bit. And eventually where your cornea and your pupil falls, excuse me, in your glasses, in your lens is shifting just by the nature of where they sit on your face. If you're not getting them adjusted, you're not necessarily seeing clearly. So we're really using our CRM platform, yes, to drive incrementality, yes, to drive patient retention, but we're really using it as an ongoing dialogue because, as you said, they're engaging with us if we're lucky once a year, if not once every 18 months.
2: That's, that's a great tennis analogy. I'm a tennis player myself, so I might uh, steal that one from you, Doug. No worries. Uh, and, and then kind of uh, going outside of traditional uh, channels uh, like the digital and CTV and all that. Are you guys doing direct mail still? Is that part yeah. of your-
0: Yeah, snail mail, snail mail, long live snail mail. You know, people like mail. Um, and if you think about what your email box looks like, you get less mail, physical mail today than you get emails. Sure. I, you know, I haven't seen a study, but I would probably bet any amount of money that that's the case. So snail mail, if done well, can be a highly effective complement to what you do in email. And so we utilize direct mail on our most meaningful campaigns or communications.
1: And Doug, I'd also like to know this personally because uh, you and I are not connected on LinkedIn yet, but uh, this is our signature question that we ask all of our guests on the podcast. It's LinkedIn, right? What is, you know, your title, your experience, The company that you work for, I'd imagine so many people are trying to reach out to you to get your time or to get a meeting or whatever. What is a message that Doug Zarkin says, all right, uh, I'm going to accept it. And what is a pet peeve on LinkedIn that you just do not
0: like? The pet peeve is easy. And I'll be very clear. Spell the name of my brand correctly. Yeah. Okay. If you can't take the time to ensure that Pearl Vision with an E is spelled correctly, and I am the world's worst speller. I'm I'm terrible. I don't know if I slept through it in elementary and middle school. And I can accept the fact that as an ex-business development guy, sometimes mistakes happen. But if you're important enough to be heard, represent yourself well, spell the name of my brand correctly. That's an unbelievable pet peeve. Um, something that really gets my attention is, is sincerity. You know, somebody who sincerely, it, my job when you're reaching out to me isn't to educate you about my business. My job is to see an opportunity for you to help me about my business. So I want to set up an introductory call to get 15 minutes of time to learn your priorities. No, my job isn't to educate you. Your job is to have done the research because if we're somebody that you believe you can help, tell us why you can help, you know, show initiative. Hey, we've researched your company. We've identified these five things that we think we can help you with. Do you have 15 minutes? All right, Um, creativity is incredibly important. Uh, I actually have a a call right after this with um, a company I've never heard of, but sent me an email basically wanting to bet on the Patriots Jets game. And I said to them a response, I said, I am not a Jets fan. I could care less. But your, your opener was so creative that I'm happy to spend 15 minutes with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I had somebody once send me a baseball hat from the college I attended. And they were like, listen, we've, we've done our research on you. You're somebody we want to be in business with. Um, and oh, by the way, here's a hat from George Washington University. We know you went there. And it was just, it was just striking that they had taken the time to kind of go through my history. Um, Even though maybe it took five minutes on LinkedIn, but show an initiative, you know, show creativity, do your homework. Don't expect me to take the time to educate you yet. Once we're in business together, then I have a responsibility because a a partner is only as good as the client. And so once you're inside the family, you're family, but to get in the family, you got to show something.
1: I like that. That's like one of the that's a great account based marketing uh technique there. You know, send the hat or, or some gear from the school you went to or yeah, do was, your research. It that's was genius. Awesome.
0: I mean it, yeah. it, it, it 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 was just the it was it was it wasn't the item, it was the meaning behind the item.
1: Yeah. Well yeah, the meaning is it's the research because I've said on this podcast before, like, look, I, I'm one of those SUNY guys, City University, SUNY guys who passion right so for me um it's it's not a for me like no one knows my school I didn't go to a big school uh but someone got this wrong they were like hey go go first and I'm like go first what they're like oh actually the truth be told I didn't go I, I'm not a gopher either. Uh, I, I'm a, I'm a lion, and I'm like I'm not either of those. Like I think the, SUNY Oswego was like the Lakers, like Sunny because there's Lake Ontario, but they right. just got it so wrong. But that's good. Yeah, it's we, we get a lot if like if people get the the person's name wrong. If someone gets the name Doug wrong, forget it. That's crazy, right? right? But also, Pearl Vision. You're right. It's such. It's one of the most recognizable brands.
0: I mean, if if I was trying to get a meeting with AJ, I wouldn't send him a razor and shaving cream. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> so you know I, I i wanted the idea of get to know the people that you're pitching yeah. if you're meaningful enough to to take time then you're meaningful enough to do your research
1: yeah if someone maybe, sent me like maybe before the pandemic yeah okay I've been trying to get him to, you know, sh- you know, you always had a nice beard, AJ. That's,
0: I don't think uh, I could grow that. I don't, I don't think I'm old. I don't think I'm mature enough to grow that one day. I hope to be, be no. grown up enough to grow a beard like that.
1: This is like three months right here. What I've got going on. This there is, you three go. M- I'm kidding. Uh, I, uh, but, and, and Doug, let, let's talk about, let's talk about you. Let's talk about family, right? What, uh, what, what have you been doing? What do you do? You play tennis?
0: I play tennis. I, like,
1: you know, a giant 20... fan like me.
0: 2020, you know, I would say um, I have two kids, married two kids, um, both under the age of 13. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of togetherness. Um, you know, I traveled fair, a, a fair amount prior to the pandemic. And you know, getting a chance to spend the last eight months with my children has been a good experience. Notice I didn't say great. It's been a good experience.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> I, I've learned a lot about them. And it, it's, an ex- it's something I'll, I'll never forget this kind of insight into my kids. Um, I, I would say I used this pandemic. I tried to use it for good, not for evil. Um, you know, I doubled up on my, my health and fitness regime, you know, even without tennis, which opened up, I think, middle of the late spring, early summer. You know, tried to do as much home fitness as I could, got out a lot, um, just tried to keep my mind healthy as well as my body. Um, Because I knew the challenge that ahead of us was, again, something that there is no playbook for. And so you can't lead effectively if you're not thinking clearly. And for us, the decisions that we've made and importantly, decisions that we didn't make really have allowed us to regain our trajectory um, and deliver some incredible results.
2: I
1: like that. And then one other thing, AJ, I wanted to ask uh, based on the based on the travel that you used to do business wise, Doug. Yep. What what was that really involving around just visiting some uh you know profitable Pearl Vision? Uh, you know, You've got to be
0: out, you know, in you visiting our franchisees and our licensed owners critically. Um our agencies are are in different places across the country. Um, you know, I'm always on a on a quest to get better, get smarter. So I'm a pretty big uh, advocate for attending conferences because I learned something, you know, I think you have to take your development into your own hands at any level of an organization. And, you know, I learn a lot from listening to my peers. I'm involved in the ANA, I'm involved in the CMO club. um, And I learn a lot from listening to what my colleagues and and those that are in organizations that are bigger or even more substantial than ours. So um, I would just do a fair amount of traveling and, you know um being home has it's a different mindset to work remotely this way um but again i think clear mind clear heart um we're doing really well
2: and doug it sounds like the retail locations are obviously open but everybody else is working from home
0: um where our offices have reopened um purely voluntary uh our i i have two offices one in, in new york city and one out here in long island um, I'll be heading to the office in the island this afternoon for a couple hours just to do some work and go through mail and do some things there that I can't necessarily do from home. Um, but, you know, we're, we're finding it being very effective, folks working from home. Um, I read a study that showed people are actually working longer hours working from home than they did working from the office. And so we're trying to be very careful with um, keeping a good work-life balance, which I think is a big challenge for all of us as we, as we navigate through this, um, to just step away from the laptop. I'm coming to you right now from my kitchen. My wife is working in our home office downstairs. So I I end up spending the majority of my time working from the kitchen table. Um, and you know, I can find myself in the same seat for three or four hours. I got to get up and walk around. So, um, you know, I'm actually really pleased with how organizationally my team has responded to working remote.
2: Yeah, I'd say we've uh, encountered the same thing. I'd never really been a work from home yeah. guy, but uh, I've actually started liking it so much it's hard to imagine having to put on my pants and get sure. it when the time comes, so it'll be difficult. <laughs> so uh, have you guys done anything fun, like virtual happy hour type stuff? Anything oh, A lot, fun? we've
0: done a lot of those. Um, there's a lot of meme sharing, a lot of funny image sharing. We do a virtual happy hour every two weeks. Um, really, you know, I, I, think we communicate more now than we did when we were, um, in, in normal, you know, normal office situations. You know, there's an, there's a, a disproportionate level of small, but meaningful communication that's going on now.
1: Cool. And, and Doug, just, uh, you know, as we wind down here, just, just a, a final thought from you as we uh, close up, it's, that was, went by sure. really quickly.
0: Um, final thought from me.
1: Yeah. Just a final thought, closing the the future, anything you want to add?
0: So I'll offer this piece of advice to any marketer or any junior, senior executive in a position where um, they're being asked to figure out what happens as we evolve through the pandemic. There is no right way. There is no wrong way. There is just a way. Pick your course, chart it and go for it. Don't, get yourself caught up into what the pundits are saying or what the so-called experts are saying you know take those words of wisdom quote unquote and if you find something that is meaningful to you that resonates with you put it in your pocket and save it but recognize that instinctually as a marketer your responsibility is to understand the mindset of the consumer and marry that with the mindset of your brand if you're really good at your craft you should feel liberated because there is no playbook to what needs to be done. The playbook rests in your ability as a leader to figure out what to execute in order to stay true to what your brand is all about and ensure that you stay relevant emotionally and rationally to your consumer.
1: I love it. Doug, this has been extremely informative. I feel motivated, and I've, I, have cool. you know, right? And I, I'm always motivated, AJ, but I feel, I love the advice. I feel, uh, I feel pumped up here even more than I usually am. Doug, this is awesome. I loved hearing from you. I know our guests will love hearing from you. Ladies Great. and gentlemen, that is Doug Zarkin. He is the vice president, chief marketing officer of Pearl Vision, I'm Vincent Petrofessa. He's AJ Gupta. This has been another episode of The Marketing Stir. Thanks, and we'll talk to you soon.
0: Thanks for listening to The Marketing Stir podcast by Sturista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email us at infothemarketingstir.com. At Thanks for listening.